The following is a special presentation of the Grand Valley Sports Network. Welcome to Anchor Up Weekly, powered by DTE Energy. An hour-long snapshot of everything GVSU athletics with updates on all 20 varsity sports, in-depth conversations with coaches, athletes, special guests, and more. Now, here's your host, Tim Knott and Jake Levy. Hi again, everybody, and welcome on back to another edition of Anchor Up Weekly. Boy, it's a celebratory week in Allendale. Grand Valley State goes 11-0 over the last week. So we've got a lot of really fun stuff to break down. My name is Jake Levy, joined as always by my partner, Tim Knott. Tim, great to be back with you, especially when we're talking about a lot of Laker wins here this week. A lot of Laker wins. Lakers won the weekend. No doubt about that. Uh, undefeated weekend for Laker Athletics. Um, a lot of great performances, both uh, individually and as, as the teams go. Started winning GLIAC championships for the 2021-22 campaign. So a lot of good things happen in Laker athletics. That's exactly where we'll start. Cross Country takes both the men's and women's cross-country championships for the conference on the campus of Saginaw Valley State. A muddy standing water didn't matter. Grand Valley State dominates the women winning their 20th consecutive GLIAC championship. But, Tim, they did something that no other GVSU team had done before. They went one through five individually, which is just an unbelievable thing to think about. One through five, and I think – They actually went one through one eight. One through eight. But, they don't, but, but only the top five Only the top five scores, so they don't count the other three. So, basically, Grand Valley State went first and second as a team. That's true. I mean, you could say that Grand Valley State won the GLIAC championship and also finished runner-up. That's depth for sure. So we'll hear from head coach Jerry Baltus a little bit later on in this show. Also a great interview. Ali Priggy joined by Isaac Harding, who on the men's side won the individual championship. The GVSU men won the 19th consecutive GLIAC championship. So a dominating effort from the GOAT, Jerry Baltus. He'll join us as will Harding a little bit later on in this show. Meanwhile, GVSU football got a much-needed bounce-back win. They go on the road to Marquette, Michigan, crossing the bridge for the second time this year. Go to the Superior Dome. Northern Michigan got a couple of really talented players back. They always play hard at home. It was band day, a really tough environment. But, Tim, Grand Valley State able to do enough to hold off Northern Michigan. And as close as the game was, 28-24, to the Lakers never trailed once they went ahead 7-3. to So while it was a little bit tight at times, the Lakers seemed to be pretty much in control in this one. They were, and Northern Michigan plays really well at home. They played completely different on the road, which they lost at Northwood, than they do at home. They really play well there. And it doesn't have anything to do with the long trip up there. They just play well in their environment. That's a tough place to play. Um, it's a weird environment in terms of the, the fan base, the ball, in terms of it is extremely difficult to find in the, in kicking, the wooden dome. In yes. the wooden dome, in the, in the kicking and passing game. Bottom line is, Northern Michigan played really well. They did. And they took care of the ball, no turnovers. Uh, I think actually, actually I'm, I'm wrong on that. They had one turnover. It was a big There's one, a, too, on the goal line. <laughs> um, but uh, very few penalties. And they did a good job of sustaining drives. And, yeah, well, and they did exactly what they third wanted down. to do. They stayed on the field. They had 17 third downs. They converted eight of them. They were three for three, converting fourth downs. They were willing to take some chances, doing what they could to grind the clock as much as possible to keep Grand Valley off the field. And it was a strategy that worked. It prevented Grand Valley's offense from really getting going. But Bryce Young-Walls does have two rushing touchdowns in the game. Cade Peterson throws two, including that incredible flea flicker to Jalen Tillman. And then Abe Swanson on the defensive side had a career-high 17 tackles. Also had a big sack on a third down in the red zone to force a field goal. He was GLIAC Defensive Player of the Week for his efforts. Grand Valley State now 6-1 and one on the football field. The regional rankings coming out for the first time this week. And Tim, no surprise where Grand Valley sits. Number three, again, the top seven at the end of the season will qualify for the Super Region. Grand Valley coming in at number three. So that would put them in this position now to host an opening round playoff game. Well, they were, you know, a lot of football left, three games left, and there's a lot of movement down below the Lakers. A lot of those teams play. You know, you would love to host a first-round game. 
and then depending on what happens from there on out, you know, you, you're there's a chance you could go on the road for like two straight weekends. But again, you want to take care of business your the final three weeks of the year. Um, big games, all those teams are going to play well. You're playing Michigan Tech for the first, second time. Wayne State on the road, Davenport at home. But it's good to it's good to get in there, see your name in the regional rankings in the top three. As you said, seven teams move on. Um, just need to continue to take care of business and uh, see what happens if they in postseason play. That's right. So we'll talk to head coach Matt Mitchell a bit later on in this show to break down that Northern Michigan win and then preview facing Michigan Tech for a second time in the regular season, the first time that's ever happened. So we'll see how that shakes out. And Coach Mitchell was very frank in that interview, Tim. He said it was 30 to nothing at halftime in that game at Michigan Tech, it's not going to be that way again. No, this Husky team has I mean, evolved. This Grand Valley State team has evolved. But this is a t- these two teams now know each other even better than anybody else in the country. It's going to be hard to go out there and get into a slugfest with this team here at home. Yeah, you know, it's going to be. Um, again, Lakers playing at home. You know, and, and that's one thing I really noticed. On the road in the GLIAC, with the exception of Fair State probably, and Saginaw, you need to generate your own enthusiasm. Yep. You're not going to gain enthusiasm in the in, – from the crowd You're, that's not going to juice you up you got to love to play football and but sometimes it's it, it's tough in those environments to get excited to play um uh, at michigan tech's one of those places so uh here at home you know i really feel good about the excitement it's homecoming um it, it's a great atmosphere and i really think you're going to see um our team in terms of grand valley really come out strong i think that they they want to make a statement, and they want to really put the finishing touches on this regular season. Yeah, what could have been considered a trap game last week and going to Northern Michigan after the emotional game against Ferris, then getting back home for two of the last three, but had to go across the bridge. Grand Valley State gets it done, though, and gets the win. So we'll talk to Mitch a little bit later on. Meanwhile, women's soccer, the number one team in the country, they got two more shutout wins this past weekend, blanking Michigan Tech 5-0 at home, then going on the road and a 3-0 win at Davenport on Sunday. So Grand Valley State now controls their own destiny with a Ferris State loss at Michigan Tech on Sunday afternoon. Grand Valley State with two more wins in their last three regular season games will be outright GLIAC champions. They have a game on the road this Friday at Parkside, then home, then following Friday against Northwood before traveling to Ferris State. We'll look at the schedule a little bit later on. But Taylor Reed earning Offensive Player of the Week in the conference. She had two goals and two assists in the Lakers' aggregate 8 nothing win this weekend. Volleyball finally back on their home floor. They got two victories, one against the Lake Superior State, 3 nothing, then against Northwood, 3-1. to one. We'll hear from head coach Jason Johnson in an important two wins that moved the Lakers' winning streak to five in a row, putting them pretty much solidified in the top four of the conference, which means they'd host a GLIAC tournament game, but they have four games left and a couple of really big ones coming up this week that we'll look at a little bit later on. Meanwhile, in swimming, they beat Saginaw Valley State on Friday, then they took first at the Calvin Invitational on Saturday, as I mentioned, an 11-0 week. And Tim, go a little deeper on what happened with swimming this week. Well, there's three swimmers, three swimmers of the week, uh, along with a diver. Um, Delaney Webrink uh, captured five first-place finishes, along with two relay, re- relay first-place finishes en route to being named Swimmer of the Week for the women. On the men's side, Roger Moret Sala had five first-place finishes, two relay, two relay first-place finishes, hit an NCAA qualifying mark in the 200 free, um, and then George Poole uh, recorded three first-place finishes and a second-place finish on the one- and three-meter diving boards. So Lakers, again, just uh, with d- dual-meet season, preparing for 
those December meets, which are which they're really going to try to hit some NCAA qualifying marks, and then tra- and then train through the GLIAC championships into the NCAA championships. A lot of wins we just broke down for you again. Grand Valley State goes 11 and 0 over the last week here in Allendale. We'll talk to some of those coaches here coming up over the next hour. We'll start next though with head coach Jerry Baltus to break down those two GLIAC championships taken home by the Lakers on Saturday. All that and more when you come back with more of Anchor Up Weekly here on the Ticket. This is Anchor Up Weekly, an in-depth update on GVSU Athletics on the Grand Valley Sports Network. The Grand Valley State women's and men's cross-country teams dominated the GLIAC Championships on Saturday, winning the event for the 20th and 19th consecutive year, respectively. Here now to talk about the newest squad of GLIAC champions is head coach Jerry Baltus. And coach, welcome on back to the program. You know, we talk about the cross-country season. They're really the big three, right? Yeah. The GLIACs, regionals, and nationals. This was the first of that big three on the campus of Saginaw Valley State. How was the event for your men and women? Yeah, it's uh, uh, one thing we do talk about is, uh, you know, it's a three-step process, and we can't look past this first uh, step with the GLIAC championship and certainly want to keep the streak going. Certainly don't want to be the, the, the team that, that the streak ends on. But, uh, yeah, you know, there was a lot of un- uncertainty going into the event. They got a lot of rain over the last uh, few days of the week. And, of course, it was a, a muddy mess. Uh, actually, on Friday, we weren't even able to get on it for a practice. Uh, you know, I walked out there a little bit, and there wasn't uh, a dry spot on the course. Um, and a lot of standing water, so just a muddy uh, mess uh, out there. Um, and our, our student athletes handled that well. You know, there's two components of that. You got to worry about every step, whether you're sliding, slipping, you know, staying on your feet. And then we didn't really know the course. Normally, uh, it's either a course that's been around and you've seen it before, or you get out on it the day before and you got a general idea of, of the lay of the land. And we didn't get to have that opportunity. So you're sort of taking the race in as it goes and, and just hoping uh, uh, you're in the right spot to, to make the moves at the end. And probably the, the biggest effect was that was uh, Isaac and, and uh, Tanner Chatta you know, running a uh, head-to-head race with the hometown favorite, um, Carly Stimpfel from Saginaw, and, and they got away from enough over the last 1,000 meters to, to get the 1-2 finish on the guy's side. How did the course compare to maybe the one in Pittsburgh in 2018 when the uh, the mud was all over there as well? Was that was that comparable? Was there anything you could pull well, from that experience that helped this time? I around? mean, we only got a couple uh, athletes that, that ran those races out there. Uh, Tanner thought uh, Chad, you know, was one of those. They finished 16th out there in, in Pittsburgh, but he thought that these conditions were worse as far as pure mud and, and slop. I mean, there was uh, three, four, five, six-inch uh, puddles uh, throughout the course. Um, so. You know, the difference was at Pittsburgh there was a lot of hills, unevenness, so uh, this was pretty much flat, so you weren't worrying about, I guess, slipping and going down, and then it's just a smaller field size, so that helped matters. 100%. Now, so let's talk about both of the races. Start with the women. I mean, one through eight, Coach, to take that as that's dominance to a T. So tell us a little bit about the experience on the women's 6K side. Yeah, I thought our ladies uh, did a great job of just getting out and establishing a position. Uh, had some good groups running together. Had four or five ro- rolling together early on through halfway through the race before that's split up a little bit. And, and um, then our second crew of ladies uh, did a great job of um, you know, establishing position, and then a couple of them coming on uh, uh, late to pass a couple of women from uh, other teams to solidify one through eight. So, you know, first time in, that we've ever swept the women's side. Um, a few years ago, our men went one through five uh, up at Hillsdale, but uh, first time in our program history to do this, only second time in GLIAC history that a perfect score has uh, been uh, put together on the women's side and to throw, you know, 
six, seven, eight on top of it, <laughs> pretty impressive. And then, uh, you know, another side note, Natalie Graber, one of our top, top five runners, didn't race, um, just uh, played it safe. So, uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about uh, the performance they put out and, and where we're at. Certainly showcased the depth of this team and down the stretch to have Hannah and Claudia kind of neck and neck for that individual GLIAC championship. That had to be pretty special for your team as well to have that kind of foot race there for the individual title. Yeah, I think it's a combination of, you know, you talk about racing together with each other, for each other. Uh, but it's end of the <laughs> end of the day, you want to win a race. Right. So uh, <laughs> Hannah's been steady all year. Uh, Claudia did a great job of uh, rolling with her the whole way and and uh, you know you run that race a few few more times Claudia may win a couple times but Hannah's been real uh, solid up front there and great to see uh, Claudia uh, closing that gap on her. Then you mentioned the fun on the 8k with the two top horses for you and Isaac and Tanner going neck and neck with the Saginaw boy coming down to the stretch take us through that race what you saw from your men's side as you guys pull out another 19th consecutive win. Yeah you know those three guys are, are three of the best they'll, they'll be potentially competing for the national individual national championship uh, in Florida in, in four weeks. Um, you know, I like our chances when it's all said and done. Uh, our guys ran a, a really smart, um, mature race, uh, sort of being patient early on and then just putting a hammer down over the last 2K. Um, I think we'll be better over 10K when we move to 10K at the regional and national meet. Uh, so I like our chances, but they, they just ran a real uh, mature race and, and uh, put the hammer down over the last 1,000 meters and opened up a little gap on that. You kind of previewed it there, but two weeks now until the regionals, as we, like we mentioned, it's a three-step process. So what does the next two weeks look like as you get ready for regionals? Well, certainly, uh, you know, we'll make sure we're healthy coming off this weekend. And then uh, Friday will be our last really, really big uh, session, hard session. Um, we'll get after it Friday and then go down to Evansville next week uh, to you know, basically we got three goals going into the, the regional championship. Number one is to qualify for the NCAA championship. Two, to come out of it as healthy as possible. So we'll try to pull the reins back a little bit. You can't run easy, but just run a little bit more controlled, not have an all-out effort. And then the third third goal is to compete for a regional championship if it presents ourselves. So, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, that, you know, a lot of times we, we won't have our top kids uh, race for an individual title hold them back a little bit, run with the team, make sure we advance, you know, get, get back to work uh, one last uh, week prior to the NCAA championships in, in, uh, in November. Big picture thinking, that's why you're the GOAT. And congratulations yeah. on GLIAC Staff of the Year as well. Congratulations. We're looking forward to regionals in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Jake. Anchor Up Weekly, presented by DTE Energy on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Welcome to Anchor Up Weekly. I'm Allison Briggy, and this week we're joined by senior cross-country runner Isaac Harding. Isaac, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, first, congratulations uh, on your accomplishments this weekend. The Grand Valley State women's and men's cross-country teams dominated the GLIAC championships on Saturday. Isaac, you finished first in the men's race with a time of 24 minutes, 35.6 seconds. What's it feel like being a GLIAC champion? Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I mean, honestly, the, the biggest goal was just winning as a team, but I felt like me and, and Tanner thought that the best way, you know, we could contribute to the team is to be one, uh, like first and second. So, um, we were kind of battling up front, um, trying to get as low a score as possible, but yeah, no, it's, it's pretty cool. So this is the 19th 
consecutive year in a row that the program has won the GLIAC championship. What, what does that mean to you to be a part of that legacy? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely really cool to be um, so dominant in the, in the GLIAC. Um, I mean, this is only um, my second year here as like a transfer student, um, as a grad transfer. So just being able to kind of come into a program that has that kind of history behind it is is pretty cool to uh to know that we're we're always going to do well in the GLIAC like you had mentioned you know with COVID canceling last year's season this has been your first cross-country season at Grand Valley how good did it feel to to be back out there running again and to be able to compete in cross-country yeah it was it was definitely fun uh we haven't had a cross-country season since 2019 um and yeah, definitely running cross country again. Uh, I've always been, you know, I like cross country and track both, but I've, I've always had a lot of success in cross country. Um, and only, and I feel like only this past year I've kind of matched that in track. So I feel like I've always, you know, really liked cross country um, and to kind of be able to race, especially this past weekend with it being so like the conditions were really muddy and kind of just like pretty true like cross-country course weather um I think it was kind of kind of fun to get that cross-country experience after like a couple years can you tell us a little bit about like what a race day looks like for you how do you prepare both mentally and physically I mean I feel like it almost starts like the night before making sure I like get to bed pretty early um typically try not to think too much about the race at least like a few hours before bedtime just so I'm not like thinking about it and staying up all night if I'm nervous um and then kind of in the morning around about like four to six hours before the race we'll do like a 10 minute like shakeout run um just to kind of like wake up the legs um and then after that, like getting some, something like pretty light in for breakfast, that's not gonna, you know, ruin your stomach too much. Um, just something like pretty, pretty bland. And then, um, after that, just kind of like getting ready, getting, making sure you have your, your spikes, your bib uniform, everything set. Um, and then, uh, I typically like to, um, kind of play out the race in my head, sort of visualize, uh, how I want it to go, what I think other people are going to do in the race, um, what they kind of visualize what I think is going to be the difficult parts of the race. Um, what, yeah, where, where I want to make a move or where I expect other people to make moves and those, those sorts of things. And then kind of, yeah, going through the race, trying to visualize it, um, maybe like picking out some mantras that I might want to repeat in my, in my head, especially during harder parts of the race. And then, um, and then basically, you know, showering, getting ready, getting on the bus and uh, hopefully executing the plan. (laughs) Um, I always like asking athletes this question, and I know that you've won a lot of races. Uh, You were recently named the first team, all GLIAC team. Um, as well as GLIAC Men's Runner of the Year. But what do you think has been your greatest athletic achievement in college so far? 
Um, yeah, I would say I feel like it has to be this past track season um, w- winning NCAAs uh, in track. The men's team won NCAAs in the uh, – yeah, men's team won NCAAs, and then uh, I won the 5K individually um and it was at home at Allendale so I feel like that is not something that most people get to win an individual NCAA NCAA title and then you know the same day win a team title so I yeah I feel like I have to say that's definitely yeah the the best accomplishment that sticks out in my mind for sure you know kind of looking at the flip side of that um, what are some like of the biggest challenges or hurdles that you've had to overcome as a runner? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I've been pretty, I've been pretty fortunate as far as, um, like injuries are concerned, but I have had some, uh, season ending injuries, like my sophomore year in college, um, I had like a stress fracture injury and I feel like that was kind of really shook me up like physically and like mentally too, because, um, yeah, it was just, it was just hard because I felt like I found so much identity in myself as like an athlete and a runner. And I couldn't really succeed at that when I was, you know, not allowed to basically not allowed to run at all. I just had to cross train for about, you know, eight weeks and then spent like a pretty long time getting back into shape. So, that was definitely uh, a rough period for me. And I feel like other than that, honestly, just um, staying on top of stuff with all, you know, school and staying on top of schoolwork and my like goals academically um, is my, like keeps my schedule like pretty full. So just like getting through everything I need to do in a week on, on like on a weekly basis and, yeah, just making sure I am, you know, staying healthy and staying fit and also like getting all my schoolwork in. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's the more like regular struggle that I face, I guess. Yeah. Uh, If you're just joining us, we're here with Isaac Harding, a senior on the cross country and track and field teams. Isaac, you know, kids dream of excelling in their sport, right? Uh, They want to be the best. So Obviously, you've done really well. Uh, you're a very decorated runner in both cross country and track. How did you get into running? Like, did that passion kind of start at a young age? Um, yeah, I would say in some sense, it definitely started at a young age. I feel like, honestly, I kind of feel like pretty much every kid likes running. Um, I mean, I feel like you see kids like running around at recess or whatever and you know chasing each other and kind of running around or racing people and I feel like uh, I was uh, even as like a young kid like I liked being able to like outrun people and whatever you know playing touch football or whatever it was so um and then I feel like that kind of developed um I always wanted to like win the like the mile run in gym class or those sorts of things so I feel like um I always kind of wanted to be like the fast kid growing up um in school and stuff so um I once uh once I like 
had the opportunity to kind of like run in middle school. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. And I ended up being like, you know, pretty good at it. Um, and then especially once high school rolled around, um, I was definitely able to kind of start excelling in, in cross country and in track. Um, and yeah, like I did a lot of other sports too, um, especially in middle school. Um, but I found the most like success in cross country and track. And I feel like it's always more fun doing something when you're, when you can win at it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, or maybe it's just because I'm pretty competitive, but yeah, so I feel like it's kind of grown from that, just kind of being a kid that likes, you know, running around and beating kids in races at recess and winning the mile run into um, doing something that I'm pretty passionate about. And so I've been, yeah, I've been running around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always know that this was something that you would want to do in college? Yeah, I, I pretty much always wanted to run in college. I like at least like once I started making um, like running my main focus and kind of stopped doing other sports in like ninth grade and in high school. Um, yeah, I kind of always wanted to, to keep on to keep on running in college. So once that opportunity presented it, itself, if it was there, like I was going to take it for sure. You know, I played basketball um, when I was in school, so I'm a little bit more familiar with that recruiting process. Do you want to kind of share what the recruiting process looks like for you as, you know, a cross country or track and field athlete? Yeah, um, I imagine like it's a little bit different than some other sports, um, although I'm not like as familiar with other sports. But I feel like it's kind of one of the weird things about it is it's it, I feel like it's a little bit more black and white as far as you can look on websites or just look up an athlete's times and especially on the track it's pretty like standardized like you have a number that basically says this is how fast you are um and so i guess from a coach's perspective there's definitely some there's some gray area as to like if they're getting good training or not if they're you know really well developed athlete as to like how fast they're running those times but um I feel like in some sense like you know there's not a lot of like college coaches coming to practices really and like scouting and seeing how their workouts are going necessarily because um you can kind of just see you know their times and how they're racing um but I feel like it kind of starts around like junior year or maybe they can't con I don't I think maybe you can start getting phone calls around then I'm kind of I'm a little bit removed from it but <laughs> last couple of years in high school um, you start kind of getting contacted by coaches um, I think first by email or you know mail and then um, at some point you can start getting phone calls from coaches and so um, yeah that was that was kind of how how it went for for me and I was kind of happy to start getting a few different like emails and letters my junior and uh and senior year uh especially because I started getting a lot better in high school by my junior and senior year I know you touched on this a little bit earlier uh, but I'm interested to to hear your thoughts do you have a preference then of cross country or track season yeah so I feel like this has been I 
I'm sort of biased towards whatever season I'm like currently in, I feel like. Um, I've always really liked both. Um, I would say in historically, I'd had better performances in cross country probably. And so I've liked cross country a little bit more, but this pack past track season, I've had like for sure my best track season I've ever had. And I've also been, like gotten a lot better at uh, winning races and closing races fast and like championship style racing, which I have had like struggled with a little bit more in the past. So um, I guess I, maybe I'm having like a little bit of identity crisis as to which one I actually like more. Um, but I, I, yeah, honestly, they're similar in a lot of ways. And I, I feel like I kind of just like whichever season I'm in at the time. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. You know, I see that you're from the Grand Rapids area. I know you ran previously for the University of Michigan, but talk to us a little bit about why you decided to come to Grand Valley. You know, out of all the schools out there, why did you choose to be a Laker? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I went to, to Michigan for four years of undergrad. Um, and then uh, basically, yeah, like graduated during COVID. Um, and I had applied to a lot of like physical therapy schools in, um, in the state of Michigan um, with Grand Valley kind of being my like number one choice. And so, um, yeah, sort of my main reason was going, well, one and two reasons was going to PT school here. We have a really good physical therapy program here at Grand Valley. And so I felt, uh, I was very happy to be able to, you know, get accepted into that program. Um, and then also with Grand Valley kind of having a historically dominant um, distance program in cross country and in track, um, I felt like it was kind of, you know, getting the best of both worlds as far as being able to do um, the physical therapy program that I'm in right now and also being able to run at a, at a high level. What's been your favorite part about Grand Valley so far? Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like just the like the friends and the and the people I've met, um, my teammates and and classmates and being able to get uh, get to know them. And I feel like overall just being challenged um, like academically in in PT school as well as like um, at practice. And I feel like that's caused me to grow a lot as well. Lastly, I know you just kind of touched on you're going to school for physical therapy. What made you want to get into that? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So I feel like um, just from my background as an athlete um, and a runner, I've kind of always been interested in like exercise and like human human movement um, and kind of the, the science of that and majored in movement science in undergrad. Um, and so I thought that physical therapy is a good way to kind of use that knowledge um, in order to uh, to help people um, recovering from injuries or, you know, help people with disabilities or in a lot of different settings. And so, um, yeah, I think, I just think it's, 
yeah, it's a great way to use my interests in order to, to help other people. Awesome. Well, congratulations again on your GLIAC championship title and your first team all GLIAC honors. Thank you for joining us today, Isaac. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Anchor Up Weekly, presented by DTE Energy on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Welcome back one final time to Anchor Up Weekly as we turn our attention to what's on the horizon this week at Grand Valley State Athletics. Jake Levy, Tim not back with you. And Tim, a big weekend this week. I know a lot of work goes into this for you. Hall of Fame is coming. Eight new members inducted into that Hall of Fame. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about who we can see now joining Laker lore here this week. Well, uh, eight outstanding members of uh, the Laker athletic community uh, will be inducted into the uh, athletic hall of fame it'll be the 35th induction 40th dinner they had five years where they was just a kind of a fundraiser then they went to a hall of fame induction where they started selecting people so it'll be the 35th induction into the grand valley state athletic hall of fame eight new members uh seven student athletes and a coach um on the, on the student athlete side jamie ashmore our current assistant coach in, in, in volleyball uh, in her first year um uh, was an outstanding setter, led the Lakers to the 2005 National Championship. Uh, she ranks in the top 10 of every setting, hitting category in, in Laker volleyball history. Stacy Bosworth, baseball player in the, in the mid-70s. He was the first uh, Grand Valley State baseball player to hit for, or have a career average of over 300 for his career. Chris Nibel, an outstanding soccer player. Uh, Grand Valley State was 87-3-7 during her career with two national championships, and so Kristen was an outstanding player and really kind of was a, was a player and a coach, and then so she took her play in the field and turned it into the coaching aspect later on, and so she's an, she's an outstanding uh, inductee. Keontae Marshall, arguably one of the best defensive linemen in D- Division II football history. He passed away about a year ago, but Keontae is being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, two-time national champion, three-time consensus All-American, the first defensive lineman ever to be named Defensive Player of the Year three straight years in the GLIAC. Diana Noonan, a pole vaulter, uh, was an eight-time All-American, uh, finished runner-up four times in, in, in the pole vault. And so Diana really, <laughs> it's kind of weird, she's probably one of the top two uh, pole vaulters all-time in, in, in Laker lore, never to win a national championship, though. The individual that finished ahead of her was a three-time Olympian. So great great staying there. Uh, Lori Stinson, the coach, uh, she kind of uh, she was the second coach in golf history. It really turned our program into the top northern program in, in the United States for Division II golf. Daryl Ann Trout, an outstanding uh, tennis player. Her career record is mind-boggling, 221-45. and 45. And, uh, she, and she was also an outstanding doubles player and then Bryant Wilson uh, regardless of division one of the best pole vaulters all time in collegiate history um, again his marks would have finished uh, in the top three at the NCAA championships all four years again he was an eight time All-American so outstanding class being inducted these individuals were great on the field off the field and great representatives of Grand Valley State Athletics Yes, it'll be really fun with the Hall of Fame dinner on Friday night, inducting them into the Hall of Fame. Eight new members of that historic Hall of Fame at Grand Valley State, so we're excited to get them 
back on campus as well. It's, it's funny you mentioned Ashmore. You know, you see what Rachel Jackway has done as a setter for Grand Valley State this year. You wonder how much Jamie's influence mm -hmm. has really started to take hold on the Lakers setter as she's really kind of emerged as one of the up-and-coming players for that team over the last couple of weeks now as the season progresses here in her third year in Allendale. So speaking of that volleyball team, they'll start where we look for our upcoming schedule this weekend because they've got two really big matches. They take on Ferris State in a rematch. They lost a tough five-setter in Big Rapids earlier this year. So they take them on Friday at 3 p.m. and then they'll take on Davenport Saturday at 4 p.m. in two really important games for Grand Valley State. If they can find a way to go 2-0 this weekend, they are looking at a for sure top four seed in the GLIAC and probably a good spot in the regional rankings when all things are said and done as long as they take care of business so an important weekend for them football of course is at home as part of homecoming weekend they take on michigan tech we talked about that rematch a little bit earlier on but 3 p.m is the kickoff on saturday at lubber stadium tickets are still available now visit gbsutickets.com women's soccer's at parkside this friday at 1 p.m while women's golf is in hawaii right now swinging it up so uh, we don't have the full results from they were in second place after day one we'll update you how they finish next week on this program. Of course, you can always follow at GVSU Lakers and at GVSU Women's Golf for all the up-to-the-minute standings, finishing results, and everything else you need from GVSU Athletics. Swimming and Diving hosts Northern Michigan this Friday night at 5 p.m. You can watch that on the Grand Valley Sports Network. You can also, by the way, that Hall of Fame class, you can watch the induction ceremony on the Grand Valley Sports Network free of charge. Go to gvsulakers.com slash watch. We'll have a live stream of that induction ceremony with those eight members that Tim just rattled off for you. Elsewhere in Laker action, men's basketball gets the first taste of play this week, and they have a close scrimmage against Central Michigan, so they'll get a chance to kind of see how things shake up. You can't watch that game, obviously, with a close scrimmage, but still good to know that basketball is right around the corner. And then another fun one, Tim, Michigan State versus Iowa in women's soccer this Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. in the Big Ten Tournament. Dave Diani, Jeff Hostler, the two most recent GVSU soccer coaches squaring off in postseason play, and that should be a lot of fun over in East Lansing. They should nickname it the Laker Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the, 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 we could come up with the name of it, something on the pitch, the Lakers on the pitch or something like that. But, uh, I'll let you workshop um, that yeah, one. Yeah. You get back to yeah. when you've got Amongst everything else we have going on, we'll just, we'll just try to come up with a graphic for the, uh, uh, Iowa Michigan State yeah, just make a graphic. soccer match. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's fine. Well, a big thanks to Allie Priggy for doing that awesome interview with Isaac Harding earlier, of course. A big thanks to Jerry Baltus, Matt Mitchell, Jason Johnson for all joining the program as well and breaking down their teams as the Lakers go 11-0 this past weekend. A phenomenal showing. Looking forward to more of the same hopefully this week. Tim, did I miss anything? No, we didn't. It was a busy weekend, and we're looking for more as we have the crossover into winter sports at about two hit home that's right so a big thanks to all those people a big thanks to brian fongers back in our studios as well for putting this program together each and every week one other piece of housekeeping for you coming up in just a couple of weeks on monday november 8th is the first gbsu basketball weekly report for taking the show on the road will be at pepino's in downtown grand rapids every monday night throughout the basketball season so make sure you come on out and join myself with coach wesley and coach williams plus some special guests every monday starting in just a couple of weeks so more programming coming your way here on the ticket but again we'll have the anchor up weekly for you every single week we'll talk to you again next tuesday with more coverage of gvsu athletics until then for tim Knott, this is jake levy saying so long and as always anchor up thanks for listening to anchor up weekly on the grand valley sports network miss any part of the show look for the anchor up podcast available tomorrow wherever you get your podcasts anchor up weekly is powered by dte energy know your own power a special thanks to our partners coors light country dairy noir brothers and true value 
stay up to date on all things Lakers by following at GVSU Lakers on social media at GVSULakers.com. This has been a special presentation of the Grand Valley Sports Network. We now return you to regularly scheduled programming. This is Anchor Up Weekly, an in-depth update on GVSU Athletics on the Grand Valley Sports Network. Number 8 Grand Valley State picked up a 28-24 GLIAC road win at Northern Michigan Saturday afternoon at the Superior Dome. The Lakers improved to 6-1 overall and 3-1 in GLIAC action this season. Joining us now to talk about his team is head coach Matt Mitchell. And coach, we talked about it all week long. An emotional bounce back game for your team this week to go on the road, get that win in the Superior Dome. Big bounce back for your team. It was. I was glad to, we were able to get on the road and get the win. Um, didn't get off to a very good start. Obviously uh, started with a 3 and out on, on offense. Um, bad punt. They got short field, held them to a field goal, which was positive, and then we fumbled the kickoff return. But I'll give our defense a lot of credit, even though things were very clean. When they got in the red zone, we held them some field goal attempts uh, when they got down there. And then, you know, offensively, we only had eight possessions the entire game, just kind of the way the flow of the game went with some special teams, things that happened. And, and we had long fields. I think probably the thing that was probably the most disappointing thing for me was just average starting field position. You know, Northern Michigan had a lot shorter fields than we did. A lot of that had to do, again, with uh, both sides of the ball. But special teams weren't as good as they probably have been, you know, uh, up until that point. But proud of our guys. There's a lot of adversity. Um, some of it, as I mentioned, post-game was self-inflicted. I thought Northern Michigan gave them a lot of credit. Uh, got some skilled players back on offense, returned a couple, you know, receiver and a couple tailbacks back. And I think they kind of showed up. And, uh, you know, they competed. They've, they've played very well in the dome. And, and they really, you know, brought it. Fake field goals, just did a lot of things. Converted 4-4 four, four down, just were really aggressive in the way they tried to play the game. So one of those games where, um, you know, after we got that first touchdown, we never trailed the entire game. But it was certainly close um, throughout the course of it. Just kind of one of those GLIAC hard-fought road battles that you're, you feel good about getting the W. Yeah, you would mentioned the slow start. To me, one of the biggest plays in the game came in that first quarter when Northern Michigan was knocking on the door after that fumbled kickoff. To get that takeaway right back and give yourself that momentum, that seemed like, even though it was early in the game, still seemed like a really big play. In it was game. a huge play. I mean, Elante Leapard did a really good job coming, coming downhill and forcing the ball out. It was a legit fumble on tape. And, you know, credit to our offense taking that turnover and going all the way down. You know, really long extended drive. Uh, get our defense on the bench a little bit and kind of capped it on our touchdown. And again, really proud uh, of our offense. You know, we got in the red zone three times and we scored touchdowns. We never had to settle for a field goal one time and they had to settle for, you know, three field goals and we got a stop one time, as you mentioned, with the turnover. So they had four trips where they did not score touchdowns. And that was really, you know, a you know, big thing. And I, I think for our, you know, offensively, uh, ran the ball effectively, got to still try to get maybe the backs, you know, to make some guys miss in the second level. Um, you know, I thought uh, Cade played well except for one or two plays. I thought he played really well, really competitive on the road. We had a lot of freshmen really step up. Um, you know, Hunter Risen was out with an injury, um, still down. Our senior receiver, Jawan Johnson, and, and David Anderson's down. So he's still having these younger crew guys stepped up. And that flea flicker there to Jalen Tillman was a great call. Executed very well. He was wide open. And that was kind of the deal. I got that two-score lead where he felt a little bit more comfortable in the fourth quarter. For sure. You mentioned Minnesota Hunter Riser, which made it even more important that Bryce Young-Walls has a big game. And he comes out. And he really was not only your emotional leader, but also your physical leader on the offensive side of the ball this week. Yeah, he had a great week of practice. Um, and, you know, he was the healthiest tailback heading into the contest. The other guys played a little banged up. 
uh, we started him and, and he really led, did a really good job, especially down the red zone, finding those the end zone on a couple of those goal line runs and, you know, sealed the deal for us. We needed that first down uh, at the end of the game and kind of that four minute offensive mode. He really got in there and was smart about things too and not not trying to score, call that a barrier play, get the first down, go down. Um, and, and just was really, really smart, intelligent football player. He's having a great senior year and uh, really appreciate his uh, leadership. You know, we've talked about that, especially with Hunter Rise being out and he was our other kind of leader on offense. He did a really good job. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the other side of the ball in the game that Abe Swanson had. He had 17 tackles, a huge sack on a third down that forced Northern Michigan to settle for a field goal. He was everywhere from your middle linebacker spot. Yes, championship level effort um, was everywhere. Like you said, really didn't miss any, any tackles at all. Um, made a lot of plays in the run game. Um, you know, again, Northern Michigan broke out a lot of new stuff on offense, and I think his veteran experience really showed because it didn't phase him a lot in regards to some things that they were doing that we had not really prepped for or seen on tape. Played great, and I think, uh, you know, the D-line in front of him, the interior defensive line, was a, was a product of his production also. Have to give a tremendous amount of credit to those guys, but, you know, Jack Kilchrist, a redshirt freshman, played great. Uh, probably our best defensive lineman. And the other guy, too, give a lot of credit for it. has been playing well, but had his best effort of the season is Jake Lava. And Jake Lava was everywhere. Um, played with a lot of energy and motion. You know, got, got some disruptions on the quarterback. And um, his best game, and again, like an all-conference type performance in that contest. Special teams had some issues early on, but yep. that onside kick recovery, Jack Preventure, the way he attacked that ball, sealed that game ball back for you guys, kind of gave you the chance to run out the clock. That seemed to have, had to make you as a special teams coach really happy. It was, you know, and I, like I said, we, we didn't get much on kickoff return, um, gave up a little bit on that. So the kickoff kickoff return wasn't great. Um, but at the end of the day, when we did, we rep that every Friday in our walkthrough. We had our hands team in place, and uh, great, great job by Jack. Listen to coaching. You know, the ball doesn't have to go 10 yards for us. We can attack it downhill. He attacked the football. You know, he didn't wait for the play to come to him. He really attacked it, and uh, you know that was huge at that point in time. You get the win to bounce back, kind of ride through that emotion coming off the Ferris game. Now you return back home for homecoming. And this is an interesting one because you're playing Michigan Tech for a second time around. What is kind of the mindset going into a second time playing a Gliac foe this year? Yeah, you know, I think obviously we won that game 40. 4 to 21. Uh, we were up 30 to nothing at halftime. I think the biggest message is just because that happened then doesn't mean it's going to happen again. You know, and we've got to, uh, we've got to get on tape. They have they have morphed and changed as has we. This is not the same two teams necessarily that have played um, in the first game, and they've continued to tweak some things just like we have. So we have to really dig on the last couple weeks of tape and kind of see what they bring. Excited to get back home. Um, obviously, after uh, you know the first game, want to get back out there on our home field. And as you look uh, with three games left, where we're at in the regional rankings, this is a big game because um, you know Michigan Tech is over 500. Um, this would be another win uh, for our, our playoff resume of a team over 500. We'll boost that up to us being 4-1 and one on teams of 500. So this is a really big game, um, not only just in terms of conference race, homecoming, a lot of things that go on in Grand Valley, but as you start looking at the regional rankings, which the first ones will come out today, um, you know, this, this is an important contest for those. It sure is. We hit crunch time. We're excited to be back home to have it. Coach, best of luck this week. Thanks as always for your time. Thank you. GDSU Volleyball nabbed two wins this weekend in Allendale. The Lakers would take down Lake Superior State on Friday, followed by a win against Northwood on Sunday at the GBSU Fieldhouse Arena. Joining us now to talk about his team is head coach Jason Johnson. And coach, five straight wins for your team now since those disappointing losses a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. To get back home, get two more big wins in the GLIAC play, good bounce back for your team once again. Yeah, very much so. Um, it's funny you say get back home, and I feel like we're in a foreign court when we're playing because we just haven't been <laughs> home enough to where I feel like we play well at home. We still haven't gotten into that comfort zone of passing well, playing good defense, offense clicking the way it needs to, and some of that's just 
not enough time on the court. Even though we practice there every day, it's a different environment during a game. It certainly is, but you at least get back on your home court for this weekend. You start with Lake Superior State yep. on Friday night, and it was a little bit touch and go in that first set, but things really leveled out towards the end of that and from there on. How much of the conversation was coming out of the crossover about the sense of urgency here in these next three weeks? Uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, we knew that coming out of the crossover, we needed to do well there, uh, which set us up regionally in a good conversation, which I believe rankings come out this week. But then we knew we had six matches left in the conference to improve our seed in the conference tournament along with help our case for a regional berth. And so we knew starting this this weekend that we needed to get two wins to be able to continue to stay in track with those top teams in the conference right now. Starts with the Lake Superior State match and it's your two seniors that we've talked about a lot but they've really come on strong at this portion of the season it feels like Allie Thompson, Abby Graham once yep. again leading the way. Yeah, and this is what you're hoping for. You're hoping your seniors start leading towards the end of the year. You know, you're hoping that you've done enough to put yourself in a good conversation, which I think we have, but now it's about seniors you know, pushing this team to the finish line. And I think they're starting to see it. You're seeing it in the stats, but you're also seeing it daily in practice where their expectations for their teammates are being a little more vocal at this point. What was the transition from set one to set two and three in that Lake State game? Because the Lakers go from hitting 250 in the first set to negative in the yeah. second set and under 100 the third set. So it seemed like the defense really stepped up in the numbers. What did you see on the court? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I think we started getting into a better flow of our offense. I think what that does is it dictates terms on the other side of the court a little bit more. I think our serving got a little bit better as, as the match wore on. But uh, again, it's... <laughs> lack of production to start the first set, a lack of urgency and or focus, however you want to call it, um, to come off with a faster start at home. But you take the Friday night match in straight sets, get a Saturday off, which is a unique situation yep. in this world. You usually play Friday, Saturday or Saturday, mm -hmm. Sunday. To have that split, how did that change how you kind of operated this week or did it? Um, I, I kind of liked it. Um, I liked having a day in between to prepare for another match. Um, now, I can't say I enjoy playing on Sunday all the time. I, I like having that as our built-in day off, but um, I do enjoy the fact that we had time to prep. We were able to come in, get a practice in, go over the scouting report, make some adjustments, um, not only with the lineup, but also with our defensive setup to be able to prepare ourselves for Northwood. You guys obviously have a ton of urgency, but Northwood does too, because they were in a three-way tie for that seven through nine spot. So obviously they're pushing for a berth in the GLIAC yeah. tournament. They know every game is big, and you could kind of feel that in that match on Sunday, couldn't you? Yeah, I felt uh, the first set, I, they actually had a better focus and intensity than we did starting the match. You know, I think it shows up in the stats. I think they hit almost 360 in the first set. You know, I didn't think our blocking and our defense played particularly well, but I also felt our offense was a little sluggish to start with. Uh, we made a couple adjustments. We started in a different rotation, but then after set one, we made a couple adjustments with the lineup as well, and I thought they made a difference in in what we were doing. Yeah, and that first set, the outside hitters for them were really, really good. Megan Axe had a huge first set. Mm -hmm. Kiana Martins especially, number 19, was yep. really, really good. But midway through that second set, it seemed like you guys figured out something to slow them down. Without giving away too many secrets, <laughs> what was the adjustment maybe that kind of made it harder for their yeah. outsides to get going? I, I think a couple things. I, you know, one of the things that challenged our team was to, be, was to be a little more physical with our serving. I felt like the last few matches we've been a little more conservative. We haven't gone after a little more. And, and as I preach to them all the time. I'll accept errors if I feel like we're getting the reward when we're putting them in play. But I felt like we're, we're not making a lot of errors, which is good, but I also don't think we're putting the pressure on teams. I felt Northwood was in great system early on in that first set. I think that was a big change halfway through the second set. And then we made um, a little bit of a dis defensive shift and tried to make some adjustments up at the net as well as in the back row. You 
Oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off, but you could really see some of the heavier swings coming, particularly from the middles. It seemed like they were a lot more aggressive in those last three sets. Was that a point of contention as well? It was, but it also comes down to our ball control and serve receive. I didn't feel early on we were very good. We were playing a lot about a system ball, which means we're probably setting the ball out to our pins a little more, whereas um, sets late in set two and then three and four, we were able to keep our middles involved, which we have to do to be successful. You know, I think our pins have done a great job, but at the end of the day, we're gonna we're gonna go success wise as how our middles go. Well, you went to success this weekend at a two and two and zero. You've now won five straight, but it doesn't yep. get any easier here this week as Ferris State comes to town on Friday, then Davenport on Saturday. Rematch with Ferris on Friday yep. should be a heavily emotional match, a big match for that top portion of the standings. What can we expect this weekend? Uh, I think exactly what you said. I think it should be an emotional match. I think there there's a lot on the line here. You know, it's it's getting that win over Ferris, helping our improve our seed, finding a way to defend our home floor, which we haven't lost on. Only been home for four matches, but <laughs> you know, I think it was one of our kids' goals to be strong at home and so it is there's a lot riding on it we want to um, get those wins over teams that are ahead of us in the conference and probably the region at this point so that we can continue to improve our seed and get where we want to go well obviously winning controls what you can control we'll yep. find out where you stand in the region this week and obviously we know where you stand in the conference but still four games to do something about that coach looking forward to some really good volleyball this weekend at home best of luck this week thanks as always for your time thanks Jake. appreciate it